Everybody, welcome to Journey Church. And listen, before we get too far away from our time of worship, let's take a second right now and let's just pray together. Father, we thank you, God, for what you're doing. We thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord God, that your spirit dwells inside us. You call us the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, whether we are here in this building where I am right now or whether we are in our homes or in our vehicles or wherever it might be that we're watching this right now, Holy Spirit, you are with us right now. And God, we say that we welcome you here and now where we are. Lord, we've had a time in your presence. And now, Lord God, we're going to hear from your word And we say that your word is welcome in our heart. And Lord, our heart, we're making it now open to you and good soil for the seed of your word to come and bear fruit. So Holy Spirit, rest in the place where we are. Rest here right now, Lord God, and let your presence be strong and powerful as we take this time and hear what your word has to say to us. Thank you, God, that your word goes out and it does exactly what it sets out to do. And so, Lord, we just say you're welcome in our home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you didn't uh, catch the announcement that was online, um, we are meeting online. We're not meeting live this weekend. Uh, We have had a significant number of people um, who have either been exposed to or tested positive for COVID, and we felt like the wise choice for this one weekend was to opt towards an online-only service. So we're so thankful that we have this technology that we can do this, that, that we can come into your home, we can be together in this way and have church. We're going to be back next week. So we'll be back live in person at Journey Church next week. So I look forward to seeing you all then. We are in the 100-day dare. I hope you guys are really getting a lot out of this. Just in the first week, it's been so powerful already. I hope you're in a dare group and uh, participating in that. And I hope that you're reading uh, through our Bible reading plan. That's available on journeykc.com groups if you don't have one um, already. And so we're reading through the Bible, not every verse, but an overview through the whole Bible. And as Pastor Sean uh, mentioned last week, um, we are going ahead just a little bit when we, uh, when we focus in on the weekend services. And so before we get into it, let me just say I'm Pastor Aaron. I'm the associate pastor at Journey Church. Uh, pastor Sean, our lead pastor, asked me to speak this weekend. His voice is a little rough, and so he asked me to jump in and take this one. So that's exactly what we're going to do right now. We're going to jump in. Uh, we're still in the book of Genesis, and today our text is Genesis 27, and we're reading 1 through 4. So let me read this text to you right now. It says, When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, and he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. And prepare for me delicious food such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. So Isaac, the son of Abraham, is old, he's nearing the day of his death, and he's wanting to pass on a blessing to his oldest son. Now, there's a much bigger story that's going on here 
way bigger than just Isaac and his oldest son. God has promised a blessing to Abraham and his family. Um, Now, we actually sing a song about God's promises here at Journey Church. Maybe you know it. It goes, all your promises are yes and amen. And we sing that uh, with a lot of conviction and a lot of passion because we believe that God's promises are yes and amen. And we stand on God's promises. But I know that you guys understand and you know probably from your own experience that there are times, maybe many times, where our circumstances look one way and God's promises look another way. And we have to make a decision at each one of those points, where are we going to stand? Are we going to stand on our circumstances and what our eyes can see? Or are we going to stand on the promises of God? Well, God made a promise to bless the world through Abraham's family. And really, the rest of this book, Genesis, is about Abraham's family. And really, honestly, if you want to carry it on from there, the rest of the Old Testament is about Abraham's family because it becomes the nation of Israel. But see, Abraham and his wife were old and they had no children. And so the circumstances were saying one thing, And God's promises were saying another thing. And they had to decide where they were going to stand. And so what I want to do with the first part of our time is I want to really quickly retrace the story of God's promise to Abraham and all of the interesting twists and turns that it took uh, to get us to the place where Abraham hands that off to the next person and then his son hands it off and you'll see it passed down from one generation to the next. So let's rewind just a bit and get some context for what's happening. Okay, so God makes a promise to Abraham. And this is in Genesis chapter 12. Let me read this to you, Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3. It says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What an amazing promise God makes to this man who has no children. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now, Sarah, or it's Sarai, actually, because her, God changes her name. We're going to see that here in just a second. But Sarai, Abram's wife, hasn't had a child, and they are both getting old. So Abram is starting to doubt. Now, remember, I told you there are times that we see circumstances in our life, and then we see God's promise, and sometimes there's a tension between the two. We have to decide where we're going to stand. And so Abram is feeling that tension. Listen to this, Genesis 15, 1 through 6. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Listen to this, verse 2. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram and Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. 
This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. So then God makes a covenant with Abraham. And then in chapter 16, more time passes. So we're in Genesis here and we're moving chapter by chapter through this story. In chapter 16, more time passes. And Abram's wife, Sarai, believes that God has actually prevented her from having children. And she convinces Abram to have a child with her servant, Hagar. So what was happening here? They were trusting God's promise, but not his timing, right? Now, they didn't have a problem trusting his promise. They just had difficulty with the timing. Now, let me ask you this. Has that ever happened to you? Has that ever been a problem for you? I've got a promise from God. I know he said he was going to come through. I read it in his word. I heard him speak it to me. But I'm still going on with things as they were, and nothing has changed. And sometimes we don't have a problem trusting the promise, but we have a big problem trusting the timing. And that's what was happening with Abram and Sarai. So Hagar, Sarai's servant, had a son, and the angel of the Lord tells her to name him Ishmael. And then in chapter 17, God speaks to Abram and actually changes his name to Abraham, calling him father of many nations. And God says that a child will come from him and his wife, Sarai, and he changes her name to Sarah. And then Abram laughs at this promise. He laughs because he's 100 years old at this point and his wife is 90 years old and he finds it hard to believe. Again, we're going back to the timing. If it would have happened earlier, but listen, in Genesis 17, 17 through 19, it says that Abraham, Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, no. But Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. This is the promise. Remember, God promised Abraham that he would bless the world through his family. God had a plan. And God wanted that son to come from Abraham and Sarah. Now, in chapter 18, Abraham and Sarah are visited by God again, and God tells them again there's going to be a son that comes from them. And this time, Sarah laughs at God. Now, listen to how God responds to that. This is how he responds. Genesis chapter 18, starting in verse 13. Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And then he said, no, but you did laugh. <laughs> so they have a son, Isaac, and uh, it looks like God's promise has been fulfilled. 
It's a miracle. After all this time, they have a son together, and they named him Isaac just like God instructed them. But then God does an interesting thing, and he tells Abraham to take his son Isaac up the mountain and sacrifice him. This promise, right? God promised this to Abraham. I will bless the world through your family. And now God's saying, take that promise and sacrifice him. Now, of course, God didn't allow Abraham to actually do that. But he had to come to the point, Abraham did, where he knew that his devotion was to God, not to the promise of God. And so there's yet another decision point. And so you fast forward to chapter 25. Isaac's an adult. He's married to Rebekah. And she is unable to have children. Now just think about all of the different points in time where God's promise seems to have come up to an impossible barrier. But again and again and again, he's faithful. So Isaac's married he's, uh, to Rebecca. She's unable to have children. Isaac prays and God answers the prayer and gives her not one, but two sons. Now, Rebecca is having twins and she gets a word from God that they are very different people and they're not on the same page whatsoever. Listen to what it says in Genesis 25, 22. The children struggled together within her and she said, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. So sometimes twins can be very similar, almost like two clones or two identical people. And sometimes they can be very, very different. Now, my wife Sarah and I have twins, David and Kylie. Obviously, just right there from the names, you know they're not the same. And these twins that we're reading about here were very different. So differences can be good sometimes. But in this case, they fought, they warred against each other. So now just take a second and look back at this promise of God to Abraham. I want to bless the world through your family. And look at how many times there was a choice to stand and believe or to doubt. So God's promise to make a great nation of Abram, but his wife doesn't have children. And then time passes and Abram worries and wants to to make someone who is not his son his heir. And God tells him, no, wait for a son. And then time passes again, and and Sarai believes God is preventing her from bearing children and tells Abram to have a son through her servant. And even though God blesses this son, uh, he says, my covenant is not with him, but with the one that will come through you and Sarai. And then they have this promised son, and God tells Abram to, to sacrifice him. Now, of course, God doesn't require him to do that, but Abraham, again, has to make a choice. And then this son, Isaac, marries Rebekah. She's not able to have children. And then God gives her not one but two sons, but they war against each other. One son despises his inheritance, and the other son is a manipulator and a thief. All of these things that are opportunities to give up, to throw in the towel, to say, I guess God didn't promise that. I guess God's not going to do what he said. But yet, if you look back, over the whole account of what happened, you see that God did exactly 
what he promised he was going to do to the letter. And he, he did exactly what he promised. So God makes a promise, but you and I, we have to walk it out in trust. Now you might say, God promised me peace, but I don't have any peace. You have to trust God. You might say, well, God promised to heal me, but I still feel sick in my body. You have to trust God. Maybe you'd be saying, God promised to be my provider, and I can't even buy groceries right now. You have to trust God. Now, there might be other things that you need to do in the meantime as well. But regardless, we have to trust God. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, trust the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So back to our focus here. There was a promise of a birthright or an inheritance and a blessing to the firstborn son of Jacob. And that's what we, of, of Isaac. So that's what we're reading about. So the promise really is the birthright or the inheritance. The promise is an inheritance. And when you have an inheritance, you're in someone's will, right? I mean, that's kind of what that means. If you have an inheritance coming, then maybe from uh, a wealthy relative or somebody like that, then you know that you're in their will, right? And there's a promise, a legal promise, that you will receive an inheritance. Now Esau, the firstborn, lost both his birthright and his blessing. The Bible says that Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. It actually says that he despised his inheritance. And then he was tricked out of his blessing. Now, we, you and I, we have a birthright. We have an inheritance. And we have a promise of a blessing. And listen to me, and I want you to agree with me on this. We are not going to lose it or have it stolen away. Can you say amen to that? Say it again. I can't hear you here in Journey Church. <laughs> The promise that God made to Abraham was passed down from generation to generation through inheritance. Now, remember, an inheritance is a legal promise that you will receive something because you are in someone's will. You and I, because of Jesus, are in God's will. You're in God's will. And it is God's will for you to receive an inheritance. It is God's will for you to receive a blessing. Now, there's something really amazing here where we can look at a story from thousands of years ago. And when we look at the New Testament and what Jesus did, we actually find ourselves in that story. This is true. Galatians 3.29 says this. Now listen, this is amazing. This is so cool. 
And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring and heirs according to the promise. I have to read that again. If you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. That promise that God made, that inheritance that was passed down, you are a part of that. God said he would have two types of offspring, Abraham. God was speaking to Abraham and he said, I would, you'll have offspring, you'll have two types. Genesis twenty-two seventeen says this. I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies. The sand signifies Abraham's physical descendants, his physical family, the line of his descendants, and the stars signify his spiritual offspring or his spiritual descendants. You have an inheritance because of the blood of Jesus. You do. You're a part of this story. We have a blessing that has been spoken over us by the blood of Jesus. Ephesians 1.3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We have been included in this blessing because of the grace of and the love of God. I want you to just let that sink in for a second. This amazing promise that God made to Abraham thousands of years ago. That really the story of the Old Testament in the Bible is about the unfolding of this promise. You and I are a part of that story and we're a part of that promise. But there is a bigger purpose than just us being blessed. There's something bigger. The thing that's so incredible about this story is that you can continue to just zoom out and see a bigger and a bigger picture. Listen, we aren't supposed to chase a blessing. We're supposed to be a blessing. There's a purpose. God has a purpose. God started something with this promise that continues to unfold and be handed off from one person to the other. We're not supposed to chase a blessing for us. We're supposed to be a blessing. The purpose is that we are blessed to be a blessing. Listen, you are a recipient of that inheritance and that blessing that's spoken of in this text that we're reading today for the purpose of being a blessing to somebody else. 2 Corinthians 9.8 sums this up in a beautiful way. It says, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Let's break that down just for one second. What that's saying is, is that God is able to make grace abound. That means an abundance. That means an extra. That means an overflow. So that having all sufficiency, totally sufficient, all your needs met, in all things, at all times, that pretty much covers it. That means you are taken care of. You are, you are sufficient. You are sufficiently taken care of. 
that you then have an overflow or an abundance for every good work. What does God want to do? He wants to fill you up all the way and then some. And then the overflow of that blessing is supposed to affect people around you. So if God fills you with joy, you should have all the joy you can contain and then some. And then that extra joy should affect people around you. If God fills you with peace, there should be leftovers that you share with other people. If God blesses your finances, there should be more than enough. Is that so that you can have seven sports cars? Not necessarily. It's probably so that you can have an abundance for every good work. God wants to bless you for you to be a blessing. We're supposed to be like a river that flows, not like a stagnant pond that just collects. The blessing of God is meant to flow through us. He fills us up, and as we overflow, people around us experience the blessing of God. Now, the blessing is bigger than you. When you get that, that's really, that's really a huge revelation. The blessing is bigger than you. Remember God's promise to Abraham. Genesis 12.2 says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. There's the purpose. And it's a huge revelation to realize that God's blessing is meant for much more than just you and your life. You get to enjoy it as it flows through your life, but God's promises go from generation to generation. Now, here's another major thing. Much of what you do for God and much of this blessing that flows through you, uh, you won't even see the fruit of it in your life. You're building a house that future generations will inhabit. What you're doing now is going to affect the future. It's going to affect future generations. Look back at our text today. Look at what God did through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was so much bigger than their individual lives. And so what I want to do is close out by looking at a section of Hebrews 11. And we're going to see that the blessing of Abraham was meant to stretch out far, far beyond his life. Listen to this. In verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. There's that inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise. There's that promise. As in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, one man, uh, therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants and as many as the stars of the heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar." And having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. There is an inheritance that is promised to you. 
there's a blessing that is promised to you. God made a promise thousands of years ago, and it's in effect today, and you are a part of that. And the promise of this blessing is about a kingdom of love, a kingdom of power, a kingdom of righteousness, a kingdom of justice that is meant to affect and bless this world through you. There is a blessing. God made a promise to Abraham to bless this world through his family. And you, through Christ, are Abraham's seed and an heir for that promise, of that promise. And your purpose is to be a blessing. Receive that today. And so, look, we're going to be digging deeper into this in DARE groups this week coming up. So when you're in your DARE group, uh, be prepared to just talk about this and explore this idea. And, uh, but before we dismiss and come to a close here, I just want to pray for you right now. So wherever you're at, let's just focus in and let's pray real quick. Father, we thank you, God, for your blessing We thank you, Lord, for your promise. We stand on your promise, Lord. Lord, even if we're in a period of time or a season of our life or we have circumstances going on right now that seem to be different than your promise, Lord, we choose to stand on your promise, Lord God. We choose to trust you with all our heart and not lean on our own understanding. And God, we believe and we receive this blessing that was promised to Abraham but through Abraham on down to us, that it would move through us and bless others. Lord, we ask that you fill us up to overflowing in every way possible, God. Fill us up with joy. Lord, fill us up with peace. Fill us up with resources. Fill us up with creative ideas. Oh, Lord, fill us up with your Holy Spirit. Fill us up with the power, supernatural power, to heal people and set people free. And share the love of Jesus and the good news of the gospel with the world. So much that it overflows and that it affects the world around us. Because we know your blessing is not meant to be to us, but through us. And we receive it and we say yes and amen in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys be blessed and we'll see you back next week live in person at Journey Church. And we'll see you at your D.A.R.E. group coming up.